Bobcat fans. Support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. Just one Big Sky Conference football team from Montana remains alive in the FCS playoffs, and they play Friday night under the Bobcat Stadium lights. Hello, I'm Coulter Nuanez. We will be broadcasting to you live from Bozeman from the Rockin' R-Bar leading up to Montana State's quarterfinal football game against William & Mary. Come hang out with us. We'll have great guests like Brent Vegan and Ty Gregorak joining us. Nuanez now live from the Rockin' R-Bar 4 to 6 p.m. on Friday, December 9th. The Rockin' R-Bar located at 211 West Main Street, Bozeman's local hotspot. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you can always find it on the Nuwana's Now podcast, which is probably presented by the M Store and the MSU Bookstore. Well, happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in. Uh, welcome back. Nuana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We're down here at Studio 49 here at the Gallagher Business Building on the University of Montana campus. Our great friend Justin Engel and I sitting down for a discussion about uh, all things Wild Wild West free agency in college football. We're going to talk about some other stuff, too. Unrestrained capitalism, <laughs> yeah, right? That a, is the topic. That's exactly right. And, and it is fun because, the, you know, a business angle is a conversation each and uh, every couple weeks here on Nuanas Now about the overlay between business and sports. And uh, that's what I do love is that, uh, you know, there's the, the, the societal and the cultural parts about all this stuff. But then from a pure tangible business perspective, so much of what we talk about is so interesting because – they are such great examples of like you're talking about, like unregulated capitalism, or you know, oftentimes we talk about just different marketing realms when it comes to the exposure a university can garner from different things like being on TV or you know having a big time football coach or whatever it might be. So uh, definitely crazy times. Justin was kind enough to join Andrew Houghton on the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast recently, so you can check that out uh, when we drop that new episode. The World Cup as we sit here and uh, and talk is raging on right now and uh, Portugal's got themselves quite a situation because uh, Ronaldo Cristiano Ronaldo who uh, has been in the news lately uh, for basically saying he's not coming back right. uh, to Manchester United he also was not a starter in the Portugal game today and then the guy who started ahead of him has a hat trick Really? <laughs> so, Whoa. so we got some international controversy. This international like, intrigue. Yeah, Bill Simmons always talks about the Ewing theory. Like when Patrick Ewing left the New York Knicks and then all of a sudden the New York Knicks became better than they ever were with yeah. Patrick Ewing. Yeah. You know, this is the Ewing theory for the Portugal It's like the James team. Weissman effect in a way. Right, right, no kidding. Portugal up 5-1 as we speak wow. uh, here on Switzerland. So uh, they're rolling. Uh, what's, before we get into this conversation, what's going on in your world? What's uh, Anything coming up good on a New Angle podcast? Yeah, we've got an episode this week on Thursday releasing with Leslie Allison, who's the um, the executive director and co-founder of Western Landowners Alliance. That's an organization of um, landowners, mostly ranchers in western states that are, you know, doing their best to promote um, 
the needs of that type of land, working lands, and trying to keep working lands intact, not only for that lifestyle, but also the conservation values that it promotes. So Leslie's a good one. The following week, we have Eric Dietrich from Montana Free Press, who we do kind of a, mm, cool. a what to expect in the 2020, or the, sorry, yeah, the 2023 legislative session, which yep. is coming up. So um, yeah, a couple of good episodes on the, um, over the next few weeks. Now, Eric, a good, a good journalist. Uh, he worked at the Bozeman Chronicle right after I did, so mm-hmm. we actually didn't cross paths but I, I've always followed the newspapers that I used to work for. Uh, you know, I follow all newspapers, but uh, definitely followed the newspapers I used to work for heavily. And uh, he's a good, really good reporter, and yeah. he'll do a good job. So that's uh, that's cool. So go check out a new angle podcast. You can uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Available all the things on uh, all of your podcast hosting platforms. Well, uh, we've seen a, a official convergence of all of the craziness that's happened in terms of the empowerment of the individual in college football. This all started with. A sort of the, the simultaneous extension of eligibility mm-hmm. because of the pandemic and the one-time transfer rule in which people didn't have to sit out any longer. Then, name, image, and likeness is passed by the NCAA. And so now, as of yesterday, the first reopening of the transfer portal since NIL has been in place and the one-year transfer rule still exists and guys have extra years because of the pandemic, my gosh, is it a free-for-all, man. I mean, I don't even follow that many FBS programs or players, and just via retweets and likes on my Twitter timeline, it's just full yeah. of guys that are leaving and going places, and uh, and we're going to get into some of the financials and the logistics of all this, but I mean, what do you think of this phenomenon? Yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, a, a system that had some sort of equilibrium, and when I say equilibrium, I'm thinking of the economics. I'm thinking of the, the the entities in the system with power. Those are the universities, the NCAA, the coaches, and the players. And third party, you know, external parties like boosters and, and and other sort of supporters. You know that system was disrupted. That equilibrium was disrupted by all the factors you mentioned. We should also mention the Ed O'Bannon sure. case that yeah. kind of set in motion this this this. Um, this inability to continue to not compensate players. I guess we can frame it that way. And, you know, when that happens, we see this kind of domino of effects. The play, the shift of power has shifted toward the, or the balance of power has shifted toward the players and for away sure. from the NCAA. Yep. And the universities are kind of scrambling to figure out what that means for them. How do they kind yep. of hold on to these assets? And, and, and can they maintain some sort of a control over the players? Because that's really what, what they have. Yep. Um, but the balance of power shifted toward the players. And the question is, like, how, the questions I'm interested in are, like, wh- how big is the pie? Because right now we're just thinking of it as additive, right? All these, all this new money for NIL is coming in, and, and we're just thinking more and more and more money. But, you know, are there limits to that? What is this money fueling? Is it fueling speculation that uh, a player will provide returns to a university, to a community? Um, to an agent, um, to a professional franchise down the road. I, I don't exactly know uh, where the returns to these investments go, uh, who benefits from them, and so and how would you continue to invest? Is the, the, we sort of assume that these things will just get larger, but right. I, I wonder what the limits to that are. And you've asked me that often in terms of the yeah, NFL, like right. when can the NFLs mess up enough that right. people will stop 
you know, adding value to these franchises or paying these players more or whatever. Um, I sort of wonder the similar question with collegiate athletics, like how, you know, is there a new equilibrium to be found? And then what does that look like? And the thing that's so crazy there too is that, uh, and, and there's a lot of irrationality in sports. Period. Because oh yeah. There's so much emotional stuff that's tied to it, but I, I think that the 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 irrational passion that a supporter of a said team can have is probably the highest in college football above all other sports. And so then that's where it gets so muddy because. As limitless as the money in the NFL and the NBA seems right now, there's still a a business structure that exists, and there's a salary cap, and there's players' unions, and there's a commissioner, and there's all these things that are in place. The thing that's so, quite frankly, mind-bending to me about college sports is the vast majority of this money for NIL stuff is going to come from private donations Mm -hmm. from passionate alumni. Well, what's the regulation of that if there's any? It seems like there's an opportunity for there to be none. You know, I mean, right now, there's literally tens of thousands of guys that have hit the transfer portal already. That That's crazy in itself. But some of the top guys are getting offers of six and seven figures to go to new schools. Well, what is that offer for? Like you're saying, what are they... If you're getting offered $5 million to transfer to a new school, what do you have to fulfill? But also, is there is, is there some sort of structure... If you just get handed $5 million when you're 20 years old, there's a lot that comes with that from a pure tangible money standpoint. Taxes, you know, (laughs) and I don't know if anybody's helping or even has considered this. I think it's just, you know, throw some mud against the wall, see if it sticks. Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of graft and corruption happening when there's this amount of money sloshing around in a system Set that aside for a moment. We'll probably come back yeah. to it. But say like Carl, Carl Tyler Chevrolet. Hey, free advertising for them. There you go. Um, you can you can send the invoice. <laughs> so say they you know sponsor or they you know issue a deal to some hotshot Montana high school athlete right. to come to the University of Montana and they agree to pay him a hundred thousand dollars. Let's just choose a number. Sure. So that's a marketing expense that that business. Uh, pays it, you know it. It can flow through the business that way. Then you know that collegiate athlete is an employee in a way, or contract employee, or some has some financial relationship with that business. What is that business paying that athlete to do? Is that business paying that athlete to represent the Chevrolet dealership? Is he? Are they paying that athlete to come to the university and be a good student and? perform on the field and win games or are they paying that person to do something else like what is the job description and how does that job description um overlap with the coach's job description not the job that the coach is doing but the job description the coach has constructed for that athlete right and is there conflict there and how will that conflict be resolved you know as as a as a athlete as, as a paid endorser of carl tyler chevrolet like you could do things on the field, like they could tell you to do things on the field that are maybe counter to um, you know what the coach here wants, right? It's like LeBron James. Does he work for Nike or does he work for the Lakers? That's right. Unclear. Unclear. Right. It, it's so true. So true. Business angle here on Nuwana's now. Justin Angle joining us, uh, recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. You're tuning in on 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as SWX Montana Television and the uh, the ESPN. Empty app. So I wanted to, yeah, and I wanted to take that thought another step. Like, sure. 
does that lead to better outcomes on the football field? No, certainly not. That's that's going to be that's why the coaches hate this. Regardless, yeah. so, so this is this is the 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 double edged sword here, right? Is on one hand, I think that the way that the transfer rules used to work were very unfair to the players, and you know, I think that society and especially old school people pin guys that want to transfer. They pin it as just selfish guys that weren't getting what sure. they wanted. But there's so many different things that go into it. I think about it at, at the, the FCS level in Montana a lot. Guys that are getting recruited to Montana or Montana State, they're certainly, you know, good athletes that are, yeah. are that are getting recruited by schools around the region probably. It's a totally different deal, though, than going on a $280,000 visit to Texas oh, like, yeah. like we talked about the other week. That said, though, a lot of guys that come to play football for the Grizz, for example, come from out of state, and they might have come to Missoula once on an unofficial visit for a game, maybe twice, yeah. and then they come on one official visit. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and the schools do do a good job of trying to make the official visits during the winter so that the guys at least know you know, a couple days' worth of what this they're getting what into. you're in for. I don't know how you could ever hate on a kid that moved to Montana from California that thought he could handle it and then he just doesn't it can't handle it. I mean, I I, I totally understand how yeah. that could happen, you know. But there's all sorts of it's not just selfish guys that hit they they want to transfer. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons for a transfer. Totally, we have the stereotypes, but there's also like academic fit. Yeah, that, there's a novel idea. Maybe right, totally. Maybe you know you you came in and you were doing general eds and you, sure. you realized there's just not it's not there for you. Maybe there's a coaching change. Maybe the position coach that recruited you leaves. Yeah, you know, a lot maybe, of factors. There's so many different factors. Maybe the head coach leaves. Maybe your grandma gets sick. Maybe your mom dies. I mm-hmm. mean, there's so many different... Your girlfriend breaks up with you. Yeah. Your girlfriend wants to go to school somewhere else. There's all sorts of things that go into it. So, okay, so I think that the freedom for the kids to be able to transfer is a little bit... Um, is good. It's just too bad that we didn't get to see the the repercussions of that freedom without then the incentive. Yeah, you layer on this bidding war associated with the freedom to transfer. It creates this Wild West effect. And again, like, what are these investors investing in? Are they investing in a representative of their brand? Are they trying? I'm sure some of them are trying to help their, you know, the institutions that they support, but are they really doing that? And you also think about the welfare of the athletes. Like for sure, this in many instances can be life-changing money. And, you know, that can be great. It can, it can really uh, open up a lot of opportunities and create, you know, wealth and economic security for entire families, but there's going to be people trying to skim all sorts of uh, pieces of this pie, right? And, and and bad advice and bad deals and kids are going to get taken advantage of. And some of the kids are going to be good enough that they're going to be able to transcend that, but others are going to get in trouble. And um, yeah, that's just a lot of, like you said before, it's a lot of money um, concentrated within a group of group of folks, no matter how well educated and well prepared. That you know, if you're 18 years old, you're just not equipped to handle a lot of that kind of responsibility that comes with that kind of money. Well, then you ask, you know, how does this affect maybe what were the were the di- the differences between what the business wants from the kid or what the coach wants from the kid? Totally. The fabric of a team. Yeah. Those are the things that I think that the old school, particularly coaches, worry about. You know, sure, you can go buy a quarterback on the open market now for a variety of different monetizable reasons. But then, how does that kid fit into your locker room? And when there's a kid over here that 
committed to you out of high school. He's not coming in as a transfer. He doesn't have an NIL deal, but yeah. he's an important part of the team. How do those things mesh? It's 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 crazy to really think about the way that it's all going to to play out. Yeah, and it really would be threatening to the coach, right? Because the coach For is sure. now not totally in charge of the recruiting decisions. Right. Right. If if one of these NIL booster sponsors decides, like, I really want us to have that quarterback and I'm going to pay him this amount of money to come here, it doesn't matter what Nick Saban thinks about that quarterback. If, you know, the, the whatever, the equivalent of Carl Tyler down in Tuscaloosa sure. wants somebody else, that, I mean, we'll see how that plays out because we're going to see those case studies. Business Angle presented by Blackfoot Communications, the overlay between business and sports. Justin Angle joining us here on Nuanas Now, which then leads me to. What was one of the biggest splash hires that we've seen in college football in recent years, and that's Deion Sanders mm-hmm. getting hired at Colorado. And uh, I've heard and I've seen all over Twitter from the haters saying, well, uh, you know, Deion Sanders can't coach. Here's the thing. When it gets to the certain level and you get to the power five and you have multi-millions of dollars at your disposal in terms of revenue and resources, and then you also put into perspective what college football has become, what recruiting in college football is, what maintaining an elite college football program takes, and being able to actually coach football is so far down the list if you know how to hire and manage people that know how to coach football. What Deion Sanders, at least in his brief couple days here as Colorado's coach, has pretty much laid out there on social media and and, uh, across all the different channels is that he's telling guys, hey, we do run a star system. You come play for me, you're going to be a star. We're mm-hmm. going to make you a star. But we're the ones that are going to take care of it. That seems like a very bold move. If it works, it could be the thing that changes the game across the board. Mm-hmm. If he's saying, hey, yeah, you don't worry about brokering your own deal. You don't worry about promoting yourself. You don't worry about your Instagram videos and your graphics and all this stuff. You come here, you play for us, we'll do it for you. But we also then control it. We control the message. We're going to make you a star. We're going to send you to the league. But your independence in this is removed. Yeah. It's a huge, huge, huge risk. If it works, though, it might be the thing that changes the game. I mean, it seems like Deion Sanders is the man for the moment. For sure. right? All of the dynamics that we discussed over the last few minutes, like he is that athlete who, one, has made a career of doing things that people say can't be done. Like ask Tim McCarver how Deion Sanders' career worked out, right? right. Like, go watch that documentary, Deion's Double Play on ESPN. Yeah. Like, it is fantastic. It's so good. He is the guy that had the athletic ability to be a star, but also understood that if I want to be a transcendent star, yep. I can cultivate my own personal brand and operate through these systems of power in the way that he did. He had great savvy in that way. And so the message that he brings to the table is, hey, here are the rules of the game now. We have a system that the, the balance of power shifted to the athletes. I'm going to embrace that. And I am kind of the ultimate pioneer of that movement. I was ahead of my time and now I'm here. And, you know, if you come play for me, I'm going to get you through it in a way that propels you to where you want to go. I think it's a great message for the moment. It is. It'll be so interesting to see how it all works out. And, you know, maybe he's the one that they can spearhead basically just the the conglomeration of all these guys and and actually make it work fluidly for the modern era. We'll see. And just look what he did with Jackson State. Not only the success on the field, the recruiting, but also he went up against the system and broke it. Yeah. Like he took that team out of the FCS essentially and said, no, we're good enough to go to a bowl. We're we're big enough brand to go to the bowl. Yeah. And he 
brought the power and he broke the system. So I'm excited to see what comes of it. I mean, there's going to be good and bad, but it's going to be interesting. Well, that's my biggest question in terms of the on-the-field product is when you're at Jackson State and you're you're basically still playing small school college football, even though you have a huge fan base and you are sort of playing in this sort of ulterior format, when you go get five-star recruits to go to Jackson State, they are going to be just inherently so much more talented yeah. than the competition. At Colorado, five-star recruits are who you have to get to be able to compete with the teams that you need to compete with to mm-hmm. actually win a national championship. So there's not going to be this giant talent disparity. Just It's just how many of those guys. That's the the brilliance of Nick Saban at Alabama, and now to a certain extent Kirby Smart at Georgia, who's been a you know he's a disciple of Nick Saban's, is that they were able to recruit all the best players with all the hype, and then also tell them like, hey guys, this is a program, and you're going to come yeah. in here and you're going to work, and you're going to have nothing handed to you, and you're not going to be a star for a few years, and then if you make it through, then you're going to have your one to two seasons where you play for me, you're going to win all your games, and then you're going to go to the NFL. It's so perfect the way that they've been able to do it without hardly any fallout whatsoever. And because it is so perfect, though, that's why all this other stuff is coming to the forefront because everybody realizes that in in the system as it was until yesterday, basically, you're never going to be able to compete with Alabama and Georgia and the powers that be. Yeah, and I think Dion has the legitimacy of, you know, he had the talent to be able to succeed in the most elite programs at every level of not only college football but professional baseball yeah. and the NFL like to be able to walk into the Dallas Cowboys or the San Francisco 49ers and be the best player on the field have your life as a superstar but also be regarded as a good teammate and play the role that you've been asked to play I, you know I think he was able to navigate that not only with ability but with attitude and you know if if he can help guide uh, athletes through a system like that at Colorado, it, it does have a great potential. Now, I agree with you; it, it could just it could just blow up completely. But um, you know, I'm I'm not going to bet against him. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, a business angle. Justin Angle joining us, coming to you from Studio 49 here at the University of Montana Business School. Justin, a professor of business at UM and a contributor here on Nuanas now. I'm a contributor now? That's right. Wow. Friend wow. of the show, baby. <laughs> we got to renegotiate my contract. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, the What do you think, just from a non-recruiting standpoint, but yeah. just from a, a splash standpoint, what do you think of the Deion Sanders hire? Because Colorado has been downtrodden in football yeah. for the last 20 years, which on one hand is mystifying to me, and on the other hand is not. I, I don't know. I, I think there's a reality, and this is a total tangent, but I think that the long-time... Big Sky coach Mike Kramer, who contributes on this show from time to time, he has his theory of life is too good in the West. That's what he says in terms of college football. He says, mm-hmm. if if no matter what happens in your football game, the party's still the same, then you're not going to be as good as if you go to a school where if you lose the football game, the party sucks. Right. It's a pretty applicable thing. I mean, even even Missoula, which is a great quality of life, like the party does suck in Missoula when the Grizz lose compared to when the Grizz win. It's it's true. Whereas at Arizona State, you're going to go to the same pool party, you know? Uh, and so I don't know. I think it's been very fascinating to see why CU was once great and has now struggled. But also, it, they are a prestigious university yeah, yeah. in, you know, one of the great college towns in the country. And so you, you just wonder if, if Deion Sanders can and is the missing link. Uh, 
I think it's a good spot. I mean, it's not a USC or UCLA or, you know, some big market team in a bigger yeah. city with great weather, right? Um, if he could have gone to Miami, maybe he, he would have. But Colorado, like you said, it is an elite institution. It has a rabid fan base, and it has a once great tradition right. that you can draw from. And it's recent enough that, that there are still plenty of people in that ecosystem that I still think that probably still think of those great times as the defining times of the program and they can harken back to that. So I think there's enough juice there to make um, it a big enough stage for Dion to do transformational things. We, I, I need to talk to Bobby Houck about this. Because Coach Houck was at University of Colorado yeah. in the late 90s when they were really, really good. I mean, he was there under Coach Neuheisel and I mean, people forget, as recently as 20 years ago, I was actually going through my old Sports Illustrated and I found the cover uh, the cover issue where Colorado had drilled Nebraska in the Big 12 championship mm-hmm. game and had won uh, the Big 12 championship game, gone to what was then the BCS, uh, one of the BCS bowls. And I mean, 20 years is a long time ago and also not a long time ago at the same time. So like you're saying, I mean, they, they do have sort of, I mean, Colorado has a national championship. There's a lot of oh, programs yeah. out there that don't have a national Absolutely. championship. So yeah, they're part of the conversation, right? If Colorado was all of a sudden a top five team next year, it wouldn't be like I, I think of Colorado more like if I'm thinking of the best teams in college football, Colorado comes to mind more readily than like a TCU. They seem newer to the party. It's interesting, right? Even though they've been awesome for a large, you know, a long time. Sure, now. yeah, it's 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 fascinating, and uh, we'll see how much just the bread. I or mean, even Utah, like Utah's been good lately, but I still sure. think of Colorado as a more premier program. There's a that's a great parallel actually, because Kyle Whittingham, from an actual X's and O's standpoint, is a phenomenal coach, and Utah has been great, and they've yeah. had so much stability, and they are competitive in the Pac-12, where they don't have a lot of the glitz and glam, a lot of their peers. I mean, they're not Washington, they're not Oregon, they're not USC, they're not UCLA, mm-hmm. yet who won the Pac-12 championship last week? Utah. So, But Kyle Whittingham has almost no brand name recognition. He's right. all, He has no real national persona. He's never in the mix for, you know, Auburn when it comes open or, you know, whatever job might come open. And so you're right. I mean, Deion Sanders has moved to the front of the line when it talks about the conversation of college football already. Absolutely. Now we'll see. We'll see uh, We'll see if it lasts. A business angle here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Uh, last one for you. I meant to get to this last week, but we didn't get to it. Uh, the Final Four, the NCAA basketball tournament, moving to Las Vegas in 2028. Um, I think that the, the benefits of this are uh, very obvious. Yeah. Just in terms of... Uh, accessibility, exposure, you know, how many people can be able to go watch these games and get in and out of Vegas because it is one of the, the easiest hubs to get in, in and out of in America. I also think that the uh, the fallout from this is also very, very obvious. Sure. I mean, I just, I don't know how you could possibly have an event like the NCAA tournament, which is the entry point to the normalization of sports gambling in America. And then put <laughs> that's, it, well, that's well put. And then put it, you know, into the gambling capital of the universe. I, it, it just, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm inherently cynical, but it just, it seems like it could be uh, disastrous. Yeah, I, I think of this in terms of, you know, market penetration in a way, right? Like this, this rapid embrace of gambling, um, by the by, the professional sports leagues, by you know, c- college is a little bit more delicate, but there's all kinds of betting in this space. 
just the rapid embrace of that. When, when for so long it was like, oh, let's keep that at an arm's length. Now they've gone all in, and I can only think of it as a way to just expand the market. They've they've maybe reached saturation with a certain type of viewer, a certain type of engagement, and they're trying to sort of, um, we call this secondary demand in marketing. Primary demand is new customers. Secondary demand is getting existing customers to buy more. Sure. This is maybe a secondary demand play, like getting existing customers to engage with your product on new levels. Although there could be primary demand in in the sense you could bring in only gambling interests. Certainly some money from that will be flowing in. Yeah, it seems like... um, a move that is baffling and at the same time makes total sense. Right. <laughs> it's like if if we're headed toward toward dystopia, like let's get there as fast as possible. It's so true, man. I mean, that's the most fascinating part about the the, the number one reason sports gambling was always shunned was because of the integrity of the sport. Yeah. As soon as it became normalized, everybody stopped talking about that. Sure. Yeah. That in itself is crazy to me. I, I, I'm not d- demeaning sports gambling whatsoever. I mean, I go to the machines three times a week. Sure. I bet on the NFL all the time. I think it's great to put five bucks on Thursday night football. I'm going to be going on Thursday night to put five bucks on Thursday night football. I always do it. But yeah, with basketball though, it seems like well, you know, and I'm not an expert here, obviously, but it does seem like of the sports, it is the most easily manipulatable. Like you can oh. you can manipulate the spread, and I you know I went down the rabbit hole of that whole Tim oh, Donaghy story and how these guys were. You know, it wasn't necessarily the winners and losers. It was all no, about the, the spread yeah. and, you know, the point shaving well, and, thing. And is, then you, you get it to Vegas, and all of a sudden now you got in-game player prop bets. Oh, man. That's where it's going to go off the rails because if, you know, Jimmy Johnson over here wants to – his prop is to score 17 points, and, you know. Yeah. So, somebody says, hey, we'll give you 100 grand and make sure you score 16 or, you know. Yeah, make no sure fun, they're not going to let phones on the bench. Let's put it that uh, way. hundred percent, man. Not. I mean, yeah. So it's uh, it'll be it'll be fascinating. I don't know. I mean, don't let my cynicism ruin it for all of you out there. Just uh, keep on enjoying it for what it's worth. Uh, anything else on these uh, wonderfully joyous subjects that we're talking about today? No, I mean, I think it's it's really interesting. And, and you know, the general rule of follow the money, I think, is is pretty apt here. You know, where's the money coming from? And what what incentives does that introduce into the system? So if you're trying to make predictions or understand who will retain power, who will lose power, look at where the money is coming from and what incentives that that presents to players and coaches. I just find uh, to put a bow on the uh, the transferring an NIL conversation. We're not going to really have a full analysis of this for five, six, seven years, yeah. probably. Uh, there's a scenario in which I think that it completely alters the power shift or the, the the power brokers of college football. I also think there's a reality in which it only makes the strong stronger, the kings even more the kings. And I, I guess what I'm saying is like, what if just having a no holds barred open free agency system makes it doesn't make it so Texas can catch Alabama? Yeah. They still can't catch Alabama, right? Because Alabama's intrinsic, tried and true traditions and where mode of operating is more important than even money. Yeah, and how valuable is that to the players? Right, the players right. are kind of the the ult. The, well, yeah, you could call them the ultimate asset here. And if all of these shifts coalesce to put more power in the hands of the players, what is the players' ultimate objective? Is to get to the NFL, right, and, and to and to thrive at that level. Does winning a college national championship a lot, you know, is that does that correlate with that type of longer term career success? Maybe they don't need it, right? And, and maybe this is a move where like the Deion Sanders of the world are the sorts of forces that can embrace the new 
system and disrupt the kind of SEC stranglehold on on college football. Wow. It's going to never end. This, I, we should just rebrand this. <laughs> the, evol- the evolving world of uh, college sports and sports gambling. <laughs> this is job security for you, my man. All sorts of stuff to talk about. 100%. Nuan is now ESPN Radio Business Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications, the official uh, digital sponsor of Grizz and Bobcat Athletics. Let Blackfoot Communications help you connect to more. More here on ESPN Radio right after this. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. ESPN Radio. I really want to know what happened to Lauren Hill. I don't know how you could be so talented and then just disappear. Maybe you want to. Maybe she's just like living in the Caribbean or something. <laughs> I just miss her. You know, she is just so sweet. Welcome back. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio. Here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company, Missoula Broadcasting, locally owned and operated for more than 15 years, and happy to say so. So out of rhythm <laughs> when it comes to college basketball, because I, I went down to Dahlberg Arena for the um, Lady Grizz home opener, which was, I think, the second day of, of college basketball season. might have even been the first day. But they, they played at home right away uh, against North Dakota State. And I was like, okay, cool, excited. Hoops is here. There's been no home games. There, there's been a couple home games for the Grizz men's basketball team, but it was uh, during the rivalry week for football, and so we were just buried up to our eyes in all the feature stuff and all the stuff we we're writing for uh, the Cackers football rivalry. So um, missed those, and the Grizz basketball team has not been back home forever, and I feel like Lady Grizz haven't either. So... Uh, that changes this week, including starting tonight. The Grizz uh, men's basketball team hosts South Dakota State tonight. And uh, the the Lady Grizz basketball team, who hasn't played a home game since November 20th, they host Grand Canyon on Thursday. So the Lopes coming to town Thursday. The Jackrabbits in town tonight. This is the first Men's home game in 27 days down there at Dahlberg Arena. Uh, such is life uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, so let's, let's take a look at what's been going down around the Big Sky Conference. We'll start on the men's side. Portland State is the only team so far in men's Big Sky Conference basketball that has a winning non-conference record. They also probably have the two signature wins of the non-conference so far. Portland State beat Oregon State not once but twice. Uh, they beat them in uh, Corvallis on uh, November 19th, 79-66. And uh, Portland State also beat Oregon State in Portland 
83-71. So they played them eight days apart and beat them twice. So uh, that's pretty good. Portland State sits at 5-4 and four overall. Uh, there, some of their other wins have been just... I don't know. What's the best way to say this gently? Pointless? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Evergreen State? I don't know. Is that like a TV show? I've never even heard of that. 113-40, to 40, Portland State won that game. I, I mean, wow, come on. And then they beat Portland Bible College 114-31. to 31. I mean, dude, I don't know. You shouldn't be beating teams. You shouldn't be playing teams you're going to beat by 80. That, that's not in the spirit of competition. But I digress. This is not something that's unique to Portland State. I'm by, by no means dogging on Portland State. I think it's a bigger uh, commentary on the way of the world in, in Division One. You know, if the higher you are up on the food chain, the more you can buy home games and the better non-conference you can have. And then there's other schools that they got to play on the road all the time. Or if they want to do get home games, they got to schedule non-D1s. Everybody's got to do it. I don't like it. I don't think anybody likes it. I don't really know what what sort of litmus test it is to play a, a non D one that you just blast. And anyways, I just I, I wish that that stuff didn't have to happen. I also completely understand why it does happen. I wouldn't go as far to, as to say that it has to happen, but I I do understand the why that it does happen. So, anyways, Portland State's two wins over um, Oregon State. Probably the two best wins in the league. They also have losses to Portland, Seattle, Gonzaga, uh, West Virginia, and uh, then they have a win over Air Force, who Montana lost to last weekend. So there's some common opponents there on the schedule, but the only winning record in the Big Sky uh, by the Portland State Vikings. Montana State and Northern Colorado are each four and five. Montana State let one slip away against Grand Canyon, which. Uh, would certainly be uh, regrettable for them, but they won at Long Beach State, who's the defending Big West champions. So that's a, a good win. That's one of the better non-conference wins so far. Uh, Montana State also won at North Dakota, but then they got straight swept at the uh, Northern Classic up in Canada, lost to UNC Greensboro, Quinnipiac, and Middle Tennessee in Montreal. And then their last time out, they won at Southern Utah. So Montana State... Their lone home game so far this year was against Warner Pacific on uh, November 18th. Other than that, they've played eight out of nine on the road. The Bobcats are back home on Thursday night. They play St. Thomas Thursday, and then they play Omaha and Bozeman on Saturday. So a couple home games for Danny Sprinkle's crew uh, upcoming, but eight out of nine on the road for the defending Big Sky Conference champions early on. Northern Colorado's the other team that's sitting at four and five. They, uh, they got rolled up by Houston by 50 in their opener. They also have played Baylor in a lopsided loss, San Jose State in a lopsided loss. And then the the uh, three nights after losing to San Jose State, they lost to Colorado Christian, which is a D2. Not great. Uh, but they've since bounced back. They beat North Dakota State in a, a neutral site tournament, and they also then won at Colorado State on Saturday. So um, Colorado State Athletics, man, they're, they're struggling right now. Losing to big sky schools. I mean, they lost to Sac State in football as well. But that's sort of the dichotomy of the non-conference, uh, just you know, in a microcosmic bubble. Northern Colorado lost to Colorado Christian and then beat Colorado State in the span of like 15 days. So uh, such is life as a non-conference uh, in the big sky. And then, of course, the Grizzlies are 3-5 and five entering tonight's game against South Dakota State. As customary for Travis DeCure, they've played a, a tough schedule so far. 
Their losses at Duquesne, at Xavier. They also lost to Troy here in Missoula in the Zootown Classic. Uh, they lost at Air Force, which was not a good loss. They uh, they didn't look good in that game. But then they looked better against Southern Miss two nights later, but lost that one as well. Their wins were over St. Thomas and Mary Mack in the Zootown Classic and uh, over Montana State Northern of the Frontier Conference. The rest of the non-conference for the Grizzlies, uh, they got South Dakota State here tonight. They play North Dakota State on Saturday in Fargo. Uh, they got Prairie View at A&M. They play them in Houston on December 17th. They play at Gonzaga on December 20th. So uh, this is your lone non-tournament, non-conference game for the Montana Grizzlies tonight. That's why it feels weird. I mean, there's been one non-tournament, non-conference game, and it's tonight. Uh, hard to keep track, but uh, we are almost ready to shift into basketball mode full-time, but we'll certainly shift into it at least part-time here uh, as the crossover season is upon us. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Uh, quickly, the women's standings. Sac State's got the best non-conference record. The Hornets off to a 6-1 and one start so far. Their lone loss, a two-point loss uh, to UC Irvine in Sacramento, but they have a win at Santa Clara. They also beat UC Santa Barbara in overtime. They beat uh, UC Davis handily. They won at Cal Poly, so they basically did the California swing there. Irvine, Santa Clara, Santa Barbara, UC Davis, and Cal Poly. Uh, not very uh, far trips for them. They also played UTEP in San Luis Obispo and won that one. And the other night, they won at Fresno State, so that's probably their best uh, win so far. They also play at San Diego State. They play CSU Bakersfield at Cal State Northridge at Cal State Fullerton. So Mark Campbell uh, in his uh, second season, pretty defined formula there. Don't leave the state of California, and that's exactly what Sac State's women are going to do. They did. They will not leave the state of California until they travel to Greeley, Colorado. Uh, excuse me, they open up uh, conference play on New Year's Eve at Portland State, and then they play in Greeley and in Flagstaff. January 12th and 14th, respectively. But uh, pretty crazy that they'll have basically half their schedule done with only having to leave California one time. Northern Colorado, the other other team with an impressive uh, non-conference mark, they are 6-2 and in women's hoops so far. Uh, They won at Denver. They won at uh, UT, uh, that's Texas, Rio Grande Valley. They won at, uh, excuse me, they lost to Rio Grande Valley. They won at Incarnate Word, lost at North Dakota State. And uh, they also had a win over Colorado State in three overtimes. So that's a good win for uh, Northern Colorado. They also beat South Dakota, who's been a perennial contender uh, in the Summit League. Montana State has a winning record in uh, non-conference play. They are 5-4 and four overall. They also have a couple impressive wins, including at BYU. They also won in overtime at San Jose State. They have a win over North Dakota on their home court. And they beat South Dakota State, who was receiving votes in the top 25 poll uh, last week when they beat them in Bozeman. And then finally, the uh, Montana Lady Grizz, they uh, won two in a row against Providence on the school day there at Dahlberg. And then North Dakota, that's the game I referenced. Uh, or excuse me, I watched North Dakota State. And then uh, they also won, beat North Dakota in Missoula. Lost North Dakota State in a tight one, 65-63, but beat North Dakota. And uh, Lady Grizz, they lost at Washington State last Friday. So they sit at 2-5, and five, actually the worst non-conference record uh, among Big Sky Conference teams. So there you go, some Big Sky hoops here uh, on your radio dial. What's going on the rest of the week? Well, we got a place to broadcast the show from uh, Bozeman on Friday. That's good news. We'll share more right after this. Keep it right here. Nuan is now ESPN Radio.
Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Best rap song of all time? I don't know. It's in the conversation. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. You want us now? ESPN Radio. Certainly one of the pioneering rap songs ever, that's for sure. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us here on your Tuesday. Missed anything in the show? You can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by the M Store, the MSU Bookstore, and... uh, that's it. In fact, that's all there is to know. That's all you need to know. They got great uh, Christmas stuff, Christmas sales going on all month long at the M Store. New location, downtown Missoula, corner of Broadway and Higgins, the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time. We'll be headed over to Bozeman on Friday, leading up to the 8.15 p.m. kickoff between William & Mary and the Bobcats there from Bobcat Stadium, quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs. So looking forward to that. If uh, you need some Bobcat gear before the game, head on up uh, to the MSU Bookstore. They got all sorts of specials going on as well. And you can get all geared up before the uh, FCS playoff game there in Bozeman. Tomorrow, Sam Herder will join us as he does each Wednesday. Isaiah Fonse, the return of an All-American. He returned to the lineup for the Bobcats last weekend. He returns to this radio show tomorrow. We'll also talk some Grizz hockey. We'll have more on... uh, the new Big Sky Conference coaches actually efforting maybe having a couple of those guys on the radio here. We'll see. And uh, we'll also pass out our Grizz postseason awards. Who do we think were the standouts for Montana? We'll do that all tomorrow. Plus, we'll have some Grizz hoops for you as well. We'll see you then. This has been Nuana's Now ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of the Advocates If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, the advocates can surely help you. What sort of expertise do you guys have when it comes to uh, any sort of personal injury accidents, things like that? Uh, It's all we practice. Uh, You're not going to get an attorney who's practicing family law or in court defending criminal cases. All we do is personal injury. We're a multi-state firm, but I'm right here in Missoula. So we have the backing of a large firm uh, with just years of expertise there, too. Free consultations. You can find out more by calling 406-640-4444 or by visiting online 24-7 MontanaAdvocates.com.